scripture memory verse tonight, Ephesians 6.17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, Ephesians 6.17. Anybody else? We've been going through chapter 6 of Paul's letter to the uh, church in Ephesus. 6, 10 through um, 20 is really our text. Uh, we're closing in on the end of it. In fact, I think that we'll do 6, 18 uh, as a memory verse next week, and then we'll comment on all of it all the way through 20. And be finished with that and move on but it is so important to understand spiritual warfare Ephesians 6 17 anybody else want to try it take up Ephesians 6 17 take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God Ephesians 6 17 good job honey Anybody else? No pressure. We've only had three weeks to memorize it. So let's look. I just want to read it again. You know, we're looking at the spiritual armor. We've pointed out that all of the pieces are Christ. In fact, you could say that we're putting on Christ, we're putting on truth, we're putting on knowledge of God, we're standing in the victory that was won, because all of these things are true, and the devil wants us to believe that they're alive. Uh, and so it says in 6.10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, where which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always, with all prayer and supplication, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and for me that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And, and just, just quickly, we're going to talk about it 
God willing, next week. Notice that Paul, who is even in prison for his faith, wants to be able to speak boldly. But not just boldly, as he ought to speak. He knows and he's telling us that we should be speaking boldly the gospel to others. Boldly the truth that would save the souls of lives. So as we look at this, uh, we remember that we're looking at or being given the picture of a soldier. They're under Roman rule. There's Roman soldiers everywhere on every corner guarding and, and oppressing them. And when you would look at a soldier, he would have on a belt. He would have on other weapons that attach to it. And, and that's really what we're drawing from as we look at it. And it begins with truth. It has to start with a belt of truth. Without truth, you can't do anything. Truth is a person. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's that simple. He is truth. And when you put him on as a belt to hang everything else from, then you can begin to be prepared to stand in the victory that he has wrought on, on the uh, uh, cross at Calvary, where he poured out his blood You'll begin to have eyesight that can see with your heart. Because as you learn the truth, God exposes the lie. And then you can see the wiles of the devil. You can see his methodia is the word there in the Greek for uh, uh, verse 11. We're standing against the methodia of the devil. His methods that he always uses to attack. And so as you put that on... When we put on Christ, when we put on truth, uh, we have a breastplate of righteousness. It's really referring to the, the covering of our heart, protecting our heart. Well, how do we protect our heart? He gives us his righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We don't have any works that are good apart from Christ. We don't have any righteousness to stand on. And it's something that we should remind ourselves of is that it's all his righteousness. He lived a righteous, perfect life for us and exchanged places with us so that we can have his standing and he took our sin. And that's what he did on the cross when he died. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so Christ came and died for us and gave us his righteousness and took our punishment and by grace we are saved through faith and that not of ourselves it is a gift of God uh, lest any man should boast there's nothing to boast in except for our weakness in our weakness he is made strong and if we boast in our weaknesses if we boast in the Lord and his strength so we put on that breastplate of righteousness and it guards our heart because it's the heart that God wants. He gives us righteousness and he begins to guard us and change us into the image of the living God, into the image of Christ. He conforms us. And, and what? how do we do that? By sanctification, which is becoming more like Christ. And it begins with shotting your feet, preparing your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. 
And that is becoming ambassadors of peace, becoming the ministers of faith to go out and tell others that they can be reconciled to God. This is how we fight the war, is we stand in the truth, we live for the truth, we battle with the truth. And in 2 Timothy, we're told that no one called to be a soldier entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he might please him who called him to be a soldier. So we go out to do his work, not our work, not to get entangled and caught up in everything going on around us. Yes, we know what's going on. Yes, we see it. But our agenda, our heart, our desire is to do the will of God, which is to see souls reconciled. The only ministry given to the church is the ministry of reconciliation. How do we do it? By being ambassadors. How do we do it? By first being discipled by God and then entering into his work of discipling others who come to faith uh, because of the Spirit of God. So we prepare our feet by getting into the word, prayer, and fellowship, by putting on Christ and learning to be his children. As Romans 8.14 says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. So we begin to ask the Spirit to help us put on a belt of truth, to help us to, to uh, uh, put on a breastplate of righteousness and understand that. To help us to shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. To help us to, above all, get this, it's above all. Take up the shield of faith where which we will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Listen, truth is the most important thing, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. For you first must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we have to, above all, have this faith to believe that he is truth. We confidently trust him that he is truth, that he knows what he's doing, and that we listen and obey him and follow close behind, and he will do the work. It's his power. It's his might. We don't, we don't do anything according to our strength or according to carnality or flesh and blood anymore. So we're taking up this shield of faith, right? And then we've been given the ability with this shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. See, the enemy can throw thoughts at you. He can't read your mind, but he knows your nature because it's the sin nature that we inherited because of him. Because he threw darts at Eve and she believed it. Because he threw darts and Adam followed. And so now we all inherit from the first Adam this sin nature. But if we believe in the blood of Jesus that was poured out on Calvary, then we receive a new nature. And behold, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things. How much is all? We become new creations. New children back in the family of God. We get a new heart, a new covenant, a new inheritance, a new and living way to walk in. And we have to believe that by faith. And with that faith, we can begin and choose to quench, put out the lies of the devil, put out the fiery darts of the wicked one or wickedness. The King James tells us. And, and how does that start? How does faith begin? Take the helmet of salvation 
And once you've taken the helmet of salvation, what do you do, Greg? Then it's the bread of life. It's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, remember, keep our theme. We're soldiers. Everything up to this point and the helmet is the final weapon that's defensive. It protects you. Right? Truth gives us the knowledge. Truth saved us. Then there's a breastplate to protect our hearts because we're real vulnerable in our hearts and our heads, our emotions and our thoughts. That's where the devil wants to attack. You're not righteous. You're not right. Wait a minute. I'm righteous because Christ is righteous. He gave me his righteousness. It's an inheritance that I get. We claim the truth. We boast in the truth. We pull the sword of the spirit, which is the word of truth. And then our head, he wants to attack. Remember how he attacked Eve with doubt? Did God really say? He did the same thing to Jesus. If you're the son of God, he tried to bring doubt He's going to try to bring the same thing towards you and me. It's in our mind. We're putting on the mind of Christ through the word of God, through the truth, through the righteousness, by putting on sandals of peace, by standing in faith. We put on this helmet that brings salvation. It guards our head. It guards our mind. Well, it guards us. From the wicked one but we still have to choose by faith to believe the truth because you can know god you could say i am a christian and still follow the lie and choose not to put on the armor choose not to put on christ choose not to obey the truth you can choose not to use the weaponry and the truth and the victory that christ has given us on the cross at calvary so again, listen, think about this. What's a helmet for? In our culture, generally, we think of a helmet and, and we have the argument going on about motorcycles. Should you wear a helmet or should you not wear a helmet? You know, right? when I was growing up, none of us wore helmets for anything. And now you see kids on bicycles and they've got knee pads and elbow pads and they've got you know bubbles wrapped around them and helmets on their heads and everything in the world for safety but think about it the helmet is to protect your head now i'll get to the soldier in a minute but a helmet is to protect your head now i got a friend he just called me actually a minute ago uh and he's in a uh nursing home right now he just turned 55 but about five years ago he was riding a moped and he didn't have a helmet on and he got hit head on by a truck which ran over him and drug him for a long way moved his brain like a half an inch they said broke his leg in six places his other leg he lost three years it took him to get his memory back but God is good and God has allowed him to have a memory back and to be able to talk but if he would have had a helmet on, would he have lost his memory for three years? Would he have protected his head? Now take that spiritual analogy. When you began, not just to have a breastplate of righteousness to protect your emotions and to remember that you're righteous because Christ is righteous, 
But when you begin to put on this free gift of salvation, salvation is deliverance from the sin nature. Salvation is delivering you from the nature that Adam and Eve gave to us and making you a new creation. And you begin to put that helmet on to protect your mind, to protect your head, to protect your thoughts, to protect that which Satan is attacking with fiery darts. He can't read your mind, but he knows that when he throws that dart, that you'll begin to squirm this way, and he can throw a dart. He can create doubt. He can cause you to be tempted, and he continues to throw a dart. But you have to choose by faith not to allow that dart to get to your mind. Because see, if Satan gets your mind, he'll move your body. If Satan gets your mind, he's going to move your desires. If Satan gets your mind, he'll move your feet to where sin is, to where doubt is, to where hate is, to where the people of God are not. He'll move you out of fellowship when he gets your mind. He'll keep you from the word of God, from prayer, and from fellowship. So he's always going to be attacking the mind. The battle is in your head. Who's in your head? Who is your head? Are you putting on the mind of Christ? See, head is speaking of authority. And so if you allow Christ to be put into your head, and, and the truth and the knowledge and the faith of God, all of that to be going in with sanctification as you get into the word for fellowship, then you are not head. You are not boss of your body. And Satan is not boss of your body because you can choose by faith to follow truth. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. Listen to what this is. Helmet is an encirclement of the head. Pretty interesting, isn't it? It's an encirclement of the head. Now, twice we've been given the word take. Over in 13, it said take up the whole armor of God. And here it says just take the helmet. See, here's, if you're a soldier, you would sleep. You're always ready for battle. If you laid down, if you sat down, if you were at rest, you might take your helmet off and your sword and lay them ready to grab, ready to get. But the rest of the stuff, your, your, your armor, you would have on. You would have it with you. You're going to have, you're going to have your, your uh, uh, belt on because everything else is attached to it. So you have on truth. You know that Christ is truth. You're going to have your breastplate on because your position is secure, your righteousness. But I was just reading in, what is it, First John 4 maybe, where he says, and I paraphrase, make no mistake, he who practices righteousness is righteous, but he who practices wickedness is from the devil. I mean, it, it, it's what are we practicing? So we have righteousness to practice. That's what we should be about doing is the works and the deeds of righteousness, which are God's works. And then you would have your, your feet are going to be shod already. You sleep with your shoes on because you're in war. We're always in war. There's a spiritual war for your soul. There's a spiritual war for your decisions. There's a spiritual war for your family. And, you know, listen. The spiritual war that's going on over your children and your family is more important to you, should be more important to you, moms and dads, than the battle for our country. 
I, I know that's hard to think about. I know in the long-term plan in your battle for your family, you should be involved in the battle for our country because we're not going to be able to preach the gospel if we're not involved in those battles. And, and they all matter. But the number one concern is, is that we're fighting over and we're yelling about the White House while our own house is burned down. Our own house is burned down. Our children are, are being taught in our schools evil and, and stuff that is not godly. And we chase the carnival. We chase entertainment. We chase the money and the dangling carrot while we send our kids off to be trained by ungodly people how to live. And we go, what happened to little Johnny? What happened to Susie? Why did they grow up and move to Seattle where all the people are crazy? And I digress. I don't mean everybody there is crazy. There's some good Christians there. But we need to wake up and begin by training. Because if we train in our house little Johnny to be godly and go into society, we're changing society. And little Johnny goes to wherever he's at and he tells people about Jesus, then we're changing society. And whatever he does, he's supposed to be speaking out loud, boldly, the proclamation of the gospel as an ambassador. But when we ignore our children in our homes and we allow the world to teach them ungodly truth like evolution and climate change, ungodly truth like gender uh, 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 fluidity, uh, it's gender dysphoria. These are all sin and they become normal to us because we're normalizing them. And just because the TV normalizes them by adding somebody into TV shows does not make it right. I get my truth from here. My belt and my truth still start with Jesus. And everything has to start with that truth or you're fighting the wrong war. You're on the wrong side of the battle. You're in the wrong team. You are over fighting in the enemy's camp if your belt doesn't start with the truth of this word. And you might look at me and say, well, that Bible's tainted. Well, if that Bible's tainted, then God ain't God. If God can't get you a book, then how can you? If you say anybody can change anything that God has done and let it stay that way and he can't communicate it to you, then he's not really God. He's not worth following. So he's either God or he's not God. And so as we begin to learn this book, 66 books by 40 authors, this is what is going on is that we're believing salvation. And I was on the word take before I went off on a tangent. Look what take means. It's not, it's not something. You see, you have the ability that the free gift of God has been handed out to all of us. It, it's his will that none would die, that all would come to the saving knowledge. It's whomsoever shall believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. And so all of us, by faith, have a choice whether we want to receive this helmet this salvation. And the, the word, it means an encirclement. But when it says to take the helmet, it means to receive it. It means to accept it. Listen to me. It's a gift. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So when you take that helmet, the first place is by faith. I'm appropriating the helmet. I'm saying, yes, Lord, thank you for your free gift. Now, what do I do, Lord? I need a sword. I need a weapon. It is enough. It's finished. Here's the weapon, the word of God. The spirit uses the word of God to change us, to make us like Christ as he puts his word in us. 
And then he uses the, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, to fight the battle that rages in the mind and the heart that the enemy brings. It's the helmet of deliverance. Your mind is delivered. Your soul is delivered. Your heart is delivered. Your position in God is secure. But you have to choose by faith to appropriate this in order to quench those fiery darts that he's throwing. See, the enemy doesn't want you to believe in Christ. But once you receive that gift, once you take that gift, once you put that gift on, then he wants to try to control your mind. So that you never become conformed to the image and you never get to the sword. You never get to the word of God. You never get past, I believe or I will. You never get past that. It's just like with marriage vows because that's what salvation is. According to Romans 10, 9 and 10, it's two people agreeing at the same place to the same set of facts. And those facts are that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. So there, when you say, I believe, and I believe, and I will, and I will, there's a marriage ceremony that goes on. And the same way the marriage ceremony goes on in our lives, when we marry our spouse, the devil rushes in to try to destroy that marriage. Why? Because then he gets your offspring. If he destroys your marriage, he's going to destroy your children. If he can destroy your marriage, he can destroy headship. He can destroy the, the whole view of God's kingdom and God's family by just attacking your marriage. Then he can create bitterness in your heart. He can create hate in your heart. He can create frustration in your heart. He can create this entire narrative that God is no good and he couldn't keep your marriage together. God is no good and he couldn't take care of your family. But the whole thing is, is that we don't appropriate truth. The first truth is you're righteous if you believe in Christ. The second truth is since you believe in Christ, you should be preparing your feet to go out by faith to tell others because the enemy is going to attack. And when you put on that helmet, you're protecting your head. As you prepare yourself, you're learning what deliverance from the sin nature means. You're learning what the kingdom of God is. You're learning what your calling is. And as you begin to surrender to the work of the Spirit, you're putting on the mind of Christ. And then you can learn to speak to others with the wisdom of God because it's the word of God, just like he's speaking to them. And when they hear that truth, now their conscience has to make a decision just like you did. Yes or no. And the fool has said in his heart, no to God. So it has to be by the Spirit. So the helmet of salvation comes first. It guards your heart. It guards your mind. It, 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 it guards you. And once you've got that secure, your helmet, and make no mistake, the enemy is always going to be attacking your mind. And that's why you have to keep putting on truth. You have to keep reminding yourself that you're righteous because of Christ. Not because of what you did last week. Not because of what you did last night. Not because of what you're planning to do tomorrow for God. We're righteous because Christ lived a perfect life. And he took our place in redeeming sacrifice. He poured out his blood and gave us his position. That's why we're righteous. 
not because of anything else that we do, but if we are righteous and we're practicing righteous, then we'll begin to shod our feet. We'll begin to put on the gospel of peace and learn it and be concerned about being ambassadors and using the ministry to reconcile others to God because that's how he multiplies and makes disciples. And we do that all by faith. While we're doing it, here comes in fiery darts. And so he's attacking and trying to bring doubt to your salvation. He's attacking because you're most vulnerable in your heart and head. That's why we have to be careful because if you follow emotions, you end up in a ditch. If you follow your own uh, fleshly thoughts and not the gospel, you end up in a ditch. As someone said, then you have ditch living. You have a bunch of people living in a ditch. And that's what we have in America right now. So many people living in a ditch. How many people are living in a ditch? Everybody that's not following God are living in a ditch. The blind are leading the blind. They end up in a ditch. And then they go, this is normal down here in the ditch. This is what we do now in the ditch. Isn't that ugly? Isn't that ugly? I mean, to me, that's ugly. I heard somebody preaching on that, ditch living. It's, it's original to them. It's not original to me. But we know that the scripture said if the blind lead the blind, they both end up in the ditch. Now, we've seen so much of that going on in our apostate church, in our country, that the blind are leading the blind. They're not looking for the spiritual truth of the scripture. They're not putting on the helmet of salvation and walking out their deliverance and being that new creation. And the only way that can be done is when the spirit of God takes the word of God and washes and cleanses you and you begin to obey God. You can't keep disobeying God and go, I'm being washed and cleansed. I'm following God. If you're not being obedient to God, then you're in sin to God. And 99% obedience is disobedience. So the helmet is protecting your mind and your thoughts. Why is that so important? Because the world is lying to us. The world is telling us all kinds of untruths that don't line up with the scripture. Think about it for a minute. They say love is love. Well, that don't line up with scripture because my Bible says God is love. Love is not love. God is love. And love is joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Why is that important? Because part of that love, his kindness, which is just one fruit of God's character, his kindness brings men to repentance. But the rest of it, you still got to work on the rest of the things once you come and put on the helmet of salvation. Once you come and believe, his kindness has now been handed out to you. You take it up, you put it on, and now you need the sword of the Spirit. Now you need to know what kind of love is this? What grace is this? What mercy is this? What kind of God would do this? And you need to learn that. And as you grow in that, then you surrender more and more to that because we want to be in that place of weakness because in our weakness, he is strongest. When we're trying to be strong and do it ourselves, he has to step back and wait for us to surrender. So the sword, uh, notice this, sword of the spirit. Because many will mess that up. Listen, many will mess that up. 
The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. It's not a metal thing. It's not a sword. It's, not, it, it, it's the Word of God. See, because it's a spiritual battle. And, and the spiritual battle that the enemy is fighting and waging against our souls is with lies. That God's keeping stuff from us. He's holding back. So it, you can't fight a lie with a physical sword. You know, I, I get a picture over here, and it's got the sword on it, and it says the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And I often ask people, what's wrong with that picture? And they look at it, and they look at it, and they look at it, and they don't realize. And, and see, what the enemy's trying to do is get us to think that the sword of the Spirit is force and power and might, but not by power or might, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. And so it's not a, a real sword. It's when the lie comes, you appropriate truth. Because you have the belt on. You know what righteousness is. Your feet are already shod because you've been in the word, prayer, and fellowship. And by faith, you appropriate the truth to cross with that in the spiritual realm. And you say, touche. You, you take it out. And listen to me. It's the sword of the spirit. Because the spirit takes the word of God in order to conform you. It cuts away. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is living and powerful. It's alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. So it's not a two-edged sword. It's sharper than one because it cuts away the bad, and then it comes back up, and it adds to the goodness when you allow the bad to fall to the ground and be crucified with Christ. It cuts it away, and it tells you the truth, and you don't have to follow the lie. It quenches the fiery darts, the truth does, of the wicked one. So the sword of the Spirit is a, is a mindset. It's the truth. It's Christ as you put him on. Now, it's important to see this because the sword is Machaira, M-A-C-H-I-R-A, and it's a knife. But it's figuratively, it's, it's standing for a, a, a war or judicial punishment. In other words, when, when, when the enemy lies to you, you want the Spirit to give you wisdom of what the Word of God says so you can give judicial punishment to that thought. You can kill it. You can destroy it. You can cast it down. In fact, it says uh, 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 that you that the, though we walk in the flesh, the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of, I'm trying to get it, for the pulling down of strongholds in 2 Corinthians 10.3. Pulling down of strongholds casting down of arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, against knowing God. See, the mind is where it's attacked. So if the enemy comes into the church and he confuses the word of God and he adds to the word of God and then he begins to give you knowledge of God that's not true, he's actually deceiving you. He's giving you arguments and he's, and he's doing things that come against the knowledge of God. And it says, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So these thoughts come in that don't line up with truth. Well, wait a minute, I don't know what truth is. 
So you're having thoughts or you're being taught even in church. You're being taught by a, a cultural Christianity. You're, you're reading some book that somebody wrote about the Bible and these thoughts are coming in and you begin to think it's true and you don't realize that it's an argument or speculation against the knowledge of God. So therefore it begins to lead you away. But when you're spending time in the Word, Prayer, and Fellowship, you're spending time with God, you're learning the truth, you're walking with God. As many as are led by the Spirit, these are the children of God. You're being trained in His house, and you're wanting to do His work for His glory. Then you begin to learn the Word of God, and over time, you recognize the lie. And you say, wait a minute. I'm ready to punish that disobedience because my obedience is being fulfilled. I'm learning. In my position, I'm fully obedient just like Christ. But in practicality, I'm disobedient a lot of the time. But I'm trying to learn to punish my flesh and kick it in the face and put it back in the grave so I can be obedient to the Word of God all the time. So when the enemy lies, I want the Spirit of God to take the sword of the Spirit, the Spirit of God, to, to tell me the truth, to convict me, to reprove me, to, to show me that there's something wrong with that thought or with that doctrine or that teaching or that book that I should probably bury in a grave somewhere and just read my Bible. <clears throat> so it's the sword of the Spirit. It, 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 it cuts. It's living, back to Hebrews 4.12, living and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's able to divide the bone and the marrow and the soul and the spirit. So it can decide, I mean, it decides what is going on in your life. Is this the bone and the marrow? Is this living in the blood? Bone and marrow, that's where the blood comes from. Marrow is where our blood comes from. And then uh, your soul and your spirit. And so your mind, will, and emotions, what the devil is trying to attack, is this the blood of Jesus? Is this the truth of God? Is this the way of God's word? Or is this me emotionally? Is this me in my own flesh wanting to go this way? Now, I want to appropriate truth through the spirit of God who's leading me and convicting me and put that on and obey that. Because it's a discerner, judge of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God is. Are you learning the Word of God? Now listen, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is interesting. The Word, the word of God generally used in the Bible is the word logos. The general word, and when you typically see that, is logos. It's something said. And, and it's not just something said. Listen, when God's word speaks, you can go deeper because it's something said, including the thought. See, when you're in God's word, you're not just getting a word. You're getting his thoughts and intents of his heart, of Christ, the truth. But then that word should come in and convict us. The spirit is showing us the thoughts and intents of our heart. Now, do we want to follow his thoughts and intents? His Logos, which is God's expression of thought written down. Here's the word as we read it. It's God's expression of thought written down. 
Now, when you think of the person of Jesus, who is our Salvatore, it's God's expression and thought who come down and took flesh and dwelt among us. And then this word here is a different word. It's the word rhema, which is God's spoken word. It's a spoken word, a specific word that you speak out loud and you say. Because, see, the devil... The devil can't read your mind, so he can't hear what you're thinking. You can know truth all you want, and it does work to just think it. It helps you. But when you speak it out loud with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, it's an utterance. The devil hears it because it's a specific spoken word to fit the situation that's going on of the attack. It's a specific word to protect you. It's in reference to the attack. And the Holy Spirit gives you that wisdom of that word because he comes to help in time of need. So the reference here is not to, Rhema, is not to the whole Bible as the word of God, but to the individual scripture which the Spirit gives you brings to your remembrance and gives you wisdom to use for a sword in time of need. So we need to hide the word of God in our heart, meditate on it, remember it, study it, and be ready to use that sword when the Spirit gives you the unction to use it to protect you in the battle so you can keep standing in the victory of Christ. That's why it's so important that we don't just go, well, I said a prayer, I'm saved. Well, saved from what? What are you delivered from? What are you delivered to? See, because you're not just delivered from the sin nature, but you're delivered to a new house. You're being delivered to a father, the father in heaven. You're being delivered out of sin, out of bondage. And so it's so important to understand these knowledge, or the devil will put you back in bondage, he will cause you to fear and keep you in the same place and you'll think you're saved, but you're really being deceived. So it's a specific spoken word that is used in the attack. Now, before I go any further now, I want you to know the devil's throwing the fiery darts. And if you don't have the spirit of God to give you a specific word and you don't know a specific word for the attack, you can use the name of Jesus. Just the name of Jesus is much better than any other weapon on the planet. In Jesus' name, that's because it's because of his character, his nature, his will, his authority. And, and in the name of Jesus, there's the name above all names. There's salvation in no other name. There's deliverance in no other name. And if you appropriate that by faith, it will save you from the battle. But when you have specific truth, see the devil, just like in Matthew 4 with Jesus, and Jesus shared scripture, he used the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And he crossed blades with the devil who tried to bring in doubt, who tried to lie to him. And every time he did that, the devil had to flee. The devil had to come up with something else. The devil had to tack it a new way. And then he, it says at the end of that text in chapter 4, 1 through about 12, that, that the devil left him for a more opportune time. Because he's coming back. He's going to throw more darts. 
But if you remember, every time Jesus shared the word of God, and those things are going to go on in your life, and you need to speak out loud. And the Bible says that we can't fight the devil. But we can say, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord Jesus Christ and the blood of Calvary rebuke you, Satan. And that's what we do when we take the offensive weapon of the sword. We often, the two offensive weapons here, I believe, is the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and then prayer. Because you're spending time with God. You're becoming like God. My grandkids love to spend time with me so that they can become like me. They want to be like me. And if we love God, we want to spend time with Him. How do we do that? By, by asking the Holy Spirit to teach us the Word of God. By giving a time for the Word, Prayer, and Fellowship daily with God. By putting Him first in our lives. Because the enemy's coming, and make no mistake, He's already here. And what he wants to do is attack us. He wants us to be afraid. He wants us to be in fear of him instead of the fear of God that produces righteousness. He wants us to be afraid of everything else. And God has not given us. See, here's what it is. Here comes the fear. I'm afraid to do that. I'm afraid to step out. I'm afraid that God might. And then you say, wait a minute. I want to appropriate the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And 2 Timothy 1.7 reminds us that God has not given us a spirit of fear. This spirit is powerful. This spirit is bold. This spirit is cleansing us. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, one of love, and is a sound mind. Temperance is the word in the King James that makes us draw closer to God. The Bible tells us that God's perfect love casts out all fear. So when the Holy Spirit is producing God's love in us, which looks like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, then when we're having that love, it's casting out fear because we're drawing near to God and we're trusting Him by faith. And we know that He's got this. He's going to protect us. He's going to take care of us. But a really important one is Romans 8.15. Romans 8, 15, right after, remember I've quoted it many times tonight and I quote it all the time. 8, 14 says, well, let me read it to you. 8, 14 of Romans says this. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. I, I quote it all the time. Because we want the Spirit to lead us, to teach us, to guide us, to protect us, to give us wisdom in the battle when the enemy's throwing out lies, to give us knowledge. But look what it says in 15. For you did not receive, take up, it's a gift, receive, you receive it, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. See, we were in bondage to sin. We were in bondage to the lie. We were in bondage to the old nature, to the sin nature. We've been delivered from that fear. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Adoption. God chose us, adopted us. Listen to me. You had no choice in the family in the flesh you were born into, but you do have a choice here to be in the family of God. And God has handed that out to everybody that's ever been born. You can choose 
whether you want to choose God or continue to live in your sin nature and say no to God. And once again, the fool has said no to God. So here comes the fear. Fear, fear is a big deal. It paralyzes you. Or what about the lies that they're telling in the world? How do you appropriate the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God? So many people right now that are being the last couple, three decades, we've been training our children in schools to believe in evolution. Listen, by faith, all you need to do is have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And you know that the first thing of the Bible is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right there, you've just tore down a stronghold. You've just demolished it. You've cast it down. You've come against the lie of the wicked one. Because see, if it's evolution, then, then God's wrong. God's the one that's wrong. He didn't really create it. It evolved out of a, 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 a soup of some kind. It evolved out of nothing. And that's just not true. And the enemy wants us to believe that because then there's no accountability. Then there's no punishment. Then there's no God to judge us. And they want to remove this from our country, from our church, from our... There's even Christians who believe that God created and then he let it evolve. And that's just utter nonsense. You're just mixing two world... You're mixing two views. And you can't do that. So the sword attacks the lies. You cross blades with the devil when he comes at you. When he says that that that, uh, 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 that that genders are fluid and you can be whatever you want, you, you you cross swords with him and you say the Bible says that God created them male and female. He didn't create them fluid. And he says, well, marriage is you can marry a man and you can marry you can you can have two men together or two women together. Listen, God said a man and a woman shall leave their mother and father, and the two shall become one. Marriage is about a man and a woman. In fact, the, the, the qualification for leadership in the church is the husband of one wife in the New Testament. It's not the husband of one husband or the wife of one wife. It, it, for leadership in the church that God has put on the planet, it's the husband of one wife. That simple. So we know when we know the Word of God, that's the sword that the Spirit gives us in wisdom not to believe the lie. Because if you believe the lie and you go, oh, well, God is so good and he, he, he would let in these days, he would let men marry men and women marry women. Then you say, whoa, 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 whoa. That's the judgment of God. That's the wrath of God because they wouldn't listen to God. Go read Romans 1. That's, it tells us clearly that by the sword of the Spirit with wisdom, that that is God's wrath being poured out on those who do such things or approve of such things. So you might be a person who say, well, I would never do it, but I think it's okay if they want to. Then you're approving of it, and God says he will pour his wrath out on you for approving of it because you're not speaking up about it. And yet that's where the fear is coming. They're going to bring fear that if you teach Romans 1 or you teach these things that are true about God and his kingdom... And see, if you don't, you don't really love people. If you believe the truth and you love people, you'll warn them that there's a coming judgment. And you'll warn them about their actions. <clears throat> That's the calling of the church. 
What are some other mindsets? What are some other things? How about worry? How about anxiety and worry? You know, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 12, 12, that anxiety in the heart of a man or a woman causes depression, but a good word will lift it up. The word of God, the sword of the spirit will lift up that anxiety because you look at his good word and you say, God's got this. I can trust him. And that word for depression means to bow down, to worship. You either worship and bow down to the worry or you worship and bow down to God and trust him for his answer with the sword of the spirit. And then, of course, Philippians, one that most people know, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, where the Bible clearly commands us to worry about nothing but pray about everything. Be anxious for nothing but all things through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, that this is going on. Thank you, Lord, that this is driving me to my knees. Thank you, Lord, that this is reminding me to worship you. Thank you, Lord, that this is causing me to pray and cry out to you. Make your requests known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, it's so important that we understand the word of God. It's there as a sword to cross blades with the lie of the wicked one when he throws darts at us. And by faith, we appropriate the word and we say, that's not who a new creation is. That's not who a Christian is. That's not what a saint believes. This is not how a saint acts. And we may have to take that thought and cast it out and cast it out and cast it out and grab it and ask Jesus. In Jesus' name, I'm telling you right now, if you don't know a scripture, you should start learning. That's why we're memorizing these scriptures right here. But if nothing else, just say in Jesus' name, Lord Jesus, help me and cry out. But when things like that happen and I get them, you might see me driving in the car. You see me talking. I'm talking to the devil or I'm talking to God. I'm either praying or I'm either saying, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. You have no part here. You're a defeated foe. The Lord rebuke you and bind you. That's an impure thought. That's a wrong thought. That's not true. That's not who I am. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And we have to continue to appropriate that by faith because of that helmet of salvation that protects our mind. But if you let the devil in there to attack that mind and you begin to entertain that thought, then he's going to direct your feet. He's going to take you places you don't want to go as a Christian. Now listen, just because a thought comes in doesn't mean you've sinned. If he throws a fiery dart and you deal with it appropriately by faith to quench it and then you appropriate truth and you don't do it, I mean, you just, you, you get away from it, then you haven't sinned. Being tempted is not sin. Christ was tempted in all ways, yet without sin. So the temptation is not sin. Sin is when you begin to act upon it. You begin to believe it. You begin to say, oh yeah, and follow it or do it or believe it as opposed to fighting it, taking it captive, casting it down, appropriating the word of God. And see, as you appropriate the word of God, the sword of the spirit, you know what's happening? The washing and the cleansing in a mighty way is going on. And then you can take that sword and you can go out and fight for others. You can go to prayer. You can begin to intercede for others. And you can use truth to intercede. 
You can use truth to intercede in a mighty way with God. You know, the helmet of salvation, John tells us in 1 John 5, 13, he says, These things I have written to you who believe in the Son of God, that you may know you have salvation and continue to believe in the Son of God. Now, this is the confidence, because that's what faith gives us, is confidence that we have in Christ, that if we ask anything according to his will, well, what's his will? Well, the first part of his will is that all people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And when we're fighting and sword fighting with the devil and we're interceding for other people, he hears us. Listen, if we ask anything, here's our confidence. According to his will, he hears us. Now, you might ask him, oh, Lord, give me a Cadillac. He might not hear that. He might go, no, it's not good for you. I mean, he loves you still. And hear means that he's not just hearing, but he sees it as something that's his will already. If you pray his will back to him, he's going to do that. Well, what's his will? He wants to sanctify you. He wants to clean you. He wants to save people. When you're praying for them to be taken care of and the Lord have mercy on them, he's a God of mercy. When we're praying and we're asking things that line up with the word of God, God's going to answer them. And if we know that he hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. That's a pretty amazing thing. Now he goes on to say some pretty amazing stuff about seeing a brother sinning. And if you deliver his soul, or excuse me, if you draw him back from that sin, you've delivered his soul from hell. Which is amazing that we can do by learning the word of God. Are you learning the word of God? By faith, do you believe that you've been delivered? By faith, are you appropriating the word of God? Listen, you might start to worry in your anxiety, and you need to add scriptures together. You're not supposed to worry. It, it, being anxious for nothing. Like, Lord, I'm just going to ask you. I know you said you would, Philippians 4.19, you would provide all of my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Think about that for a minute. So now, why would I worry when I know that God's going to provide all my need? And my first need is spiritual truth. My first need is spiritual sanctification, my spiritual walk. And as I begin to deal with that with my heart, then I know that I can appropriate the rest of the truth, that he will feed me, he will clothe me. Over in Matthew uh, uh, 6.33, Jesus told them to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these other things shall be added to you. Paraphrasing, he says, well, you don't seek out what the world is seeking. They're worried about their clothing. They're worried about their food. You know, aren't the lilies of the field clothed beautifully? The birds of the air are fed. Our Heavenly Father, their Creator, our Heavenly Father, because we're His children, feeds the birds. So if you're feeding birds and throwing seeds out your window, that's where you get it from, from your Heavenly Father. He provides for the birds. He's using you to provide for the birds <laughs> so they can eat. I think, Listen, I every time that I throw food out my window of my truck, or if I'm sitting and eating at an outside restaurant and I toss a, a French fry, I always think I'm providing for a bird. It's just in my brain that God just used me to provide for some animal that's going to eat that food. That's weird, but my brain does that. So, again, listen, I want to remind you, and I'll remind you next week, 
that every morning when I get up and spend time with God, and you can do it anytime I talk with God, well, the, the first thing that I do is put on the armor of God. The second thing I do is I ask the Holy Spirit to baptize me afresh and anew for the work of the ministry of the day because the ministry of reconciliation of souls is what's most important. It's the most important thing. None of us are getting it perfect, but we're looking to try to still hit the mark. We're looking to still be led by the Spirit. And, I, and so I, I, I don't ever take off the armor, really. A soldier would set his helmet down. He'd set his sword down. He might move his shield out of the way. He might even take, I want to get a little comfortable, take off his breastplate. Who knows what a soldier might do? But as children of God, we put on Christ, we're standing in Christ, and we should be continuing to clothe ourselves in Christ as we take off the garments of the flesh. He is our way into heaven. He's our way out of this world. He, his blood is provided perfectly. And so we know that we're always supposed to remind ourselves that this is putting on Christ. Are you putting on Christ? Are you putting on the mind of Christ? Are you putting on the work of God and asking him about your gifts, talents, and abilities and going out trusting him, receiving that gift of salvation, and then learning to wield the sword of the Spirit, first to protect your own mind, but second to help protect other people. We put our shields of faith together. We appropriate the word of God. We know that he has called us to this little Jerusalem and we will see souls saved. But we're gleaning the edges of the field. We're in the end of the age. We're living in perilous times. One can read the newspaper and get that. But don't lose heart. Again, the sword of the spirit. Let me encourage you. Do not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season you will reap if you do not lose heart. Well-doing, you reap good fruit. That's what we want to reap. So next week, it is Ephesians 6, 18. Praying always. That's a big deal. With all prayer and supplication. Oh, I'm sorry. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Listen, look, look who we're supposed to be praying for. Look who we're supposed to be watching and helping. It's the one another ministry. It's all the saints. And in the kingdom of God, there's saints and there's ain'ts. Saints and ain'ts. If you have salvation, you're a saint. Um, if you don't believe in the blood of Jesus, you ain't going to heaven. You ain't. And then once we have that in line, we're going to have utterance. We're going to be speaking. Of course, that utterance, again, is rhema, the spoken word of God. That's what we want is utterance. We want to speak the word of God to others and give them hope, give them, a, give them a, a encouragement to look to the Lord, to wait on the Lord, to grow in the Lord, to do the work of the Lord, and uh, to be ready, standing ready, watching, waiting for his glorious appearing. Stand is what we need to do. That's what the armor's about. We're standing in Christ, standing in his victory. It's the word histamai. It means to abide, continue, and remain in his love. So commit Ephesians 6, 
18 to memory for next week, and God willing, we'll cover it next week. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Thank you for the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Thank you for wisdom to help in time of need. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for uh, helping us to fight the battle by faith through the Word of God as you wash and cleanse us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're coming back soon to take the chosen home. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you.